0: Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Morning. It's nice to see you all. Um, It's interesting because in the next month and a half, I'm speaking at three different Baptist churches so I've not, I don't know if I've ever spoken in a Baptist church before this month and um, so I've suddenly become popular <laughs> um, maybe I'll never get asked back but we'll see I'm at, I'm at Alteringham Baptist and one in Edinburgh as well so um, very exciting, a tour of the Baptists um, just to say um, a little bit about, about me um, I uh, lead a church in Salford like, uh, like Will said along with the Community Church we planted it nearly 15 years ago um, we work in this estate called Langworthy for the last 20 years. Um, we were part of one of the early uh, Eden projects associated with the Message Trust. And um, we were the second one. Withenshaw started in 1997 and we were a couple of years later. And so we've been working in, in that estate for all that time. And just trying to love people and live there and see what the kingdom of God looks like when it comes... Um, into a place where a lot of people don't know anything about Jesus and um, a lot of people are from very chaotic backgrounds and with a lot of poverty and crime. Um, and so we've had a lot of fun doing that over the last twenty years. Um, I, so I, get, I do half my week uh, working for the church and the other half I work for um, the, uh, a college called St. Melitus College, which is uh, our bit is based in Liverpool. And they train um, Anglican vicars for ordination. I've never been an Anglican, so I'm not sure how I'm involved in in training vicars. But I just end up doing things like this, like speaking at all of Baptist churches, and uh, <laughs> I just find myself doing it. Um, so that's what I do with my other half of my week: uh, to kind of teach theology and uh, lecture on mission and church planting and stuff like that. Um, just uh, like Will said, about if you're interested in hearing a bit of our story uh, with my book, um, just, um, there's a few on the table at the back, and um, it's just kind of a bit of our story, really, and what we've done over the last 20 years and my thoughts about it. And um, mums really like it, so... <laughs> <laughs> if you need a last-minute present... Lit- I'm not even joking about this. Um, the most common comment I've had from anyone... Is that uh, by at least 25 people? Is that my mum loves this book? Like literally, that's what everyone says to me. Um, so you will love it if you're a mum or you know a mum, just have one. Um give me a five or four if you want, or have one if you want, if you've not got any money with you. Um we're gonna look today at Acts chapter eight, the first few verses of Acts chapter eight. And um the the title I was given was Generous with my presence, using the location you've been placed in to do God's work, bloom where you are planted. And to be fair, Will, that is the longest title I've ever been given. For us. It's basically at the length of an Anglican sermon. <laughs> um, but I'll have a go at it anyway. Um, so let, let's read from let's read from there to start with. Um, Saul was there, giving approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them into prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and crippled were healed. And so there was great joy in that city. Um, I, I could speak to you for hours about being a presence in a place Um blooming where you're planted. Um, For us, that's what it's all been about the last 20 years, planting yourself in one place and not going anywhere and just saying, God's put us here. Let's see what happens. Let's live here. Let's love this place. Let's be part of this community. Let's belong. Um, How do you bloom where you're planted? Um, But first, let's just go through a few. I'm not going to talk to you for hours, by the way. (laughs) Um, Let's look at a few of the things in, in this passage to launch us into it. Um, we, say, we say goodbye to someone in this passage, and we say hello to someone else. Um, we say goodbye to Stephen after an exceptionally long sermon that he preaches, and, um, and they bury Stephen and mourn deeply for him. And we say hello to Saul, and Saul will soon become the key character in that book of Acts from chapter 9 onwards it's it's pretty much about Saul and his adventures um, of, of spreading the gospel and um, and actually Saul's kind of the key character apart from Jesus in the whole New Testament you know he writes almost half of the books in the New Testament and and he and, and he's the, the you know the main character in Acts in that way and, and so he kind of Saul kind of who obviously changed his name to Paul, he kind of towers over the New Testament in a way that, similar to Moses in the Old. You know, he's, his writings are very important and his missionary um, techniques are very important as well. And I just love the way, I don't know if you've, uh, as a church, we're just reading through Luke together uh, during Lent. And we. Um, I love how Luke writes. He's just a brilliant writer. And, and I love how he just, he kind of teases us at this point with Saul. He just kind of, chucks him in there and he says, you know, um, they, put the, they put the clothes at, um, at the feet of a young man named Saul. <laughs> and, he, and he just kind of chucks his name in there and, as if he doesn't really matter, but actually he's the guy who's going to, and Luke just kind of weaves him in a little bit at this point. And then he says, and then he builds it and he says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. Um, and then Saul starts this kind of campaign of terror against the Christians, and, um, and so they have to flee and are scattered. One interesting thing from here is that Saul arrests men and women. Now, Saul would be arresting the, the, key, the, the people you arrest when you want to finish a movement off are the key leaders in that movement. So 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 Christianity was unusual in that day in, in having women in in important enough positions that they would also be arrested as well as the men. So it's just a little th- Luke just loves chucking those little things in and going he arrested the men and the women as well. And if you read Luke's gospel all of Luke's gospel is about the fact that Jesus chooses the unlikely ones the ones who are marginalized, the ones who are poor, the ones who have been written off, the women, the children, and, and, and all of the people who were not valued of that time. Luke tells us Jesus does value those people, and he raises them up. Um, and so that's just a little thing that, that, that Luke throws in at that point. Um, and the key, the key verse, really, for me, is those who had been, this verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever wherever they went. These people were not moving house out of Jerusalem because they wanted to. They were scattered because they were fleeing for their lives. Most of us are quite mobile people. You know, we might move house because it's our dream home. Or we might move house to follow a job that we've got. Or we might move house to be nearer to family and we choose those things. But these people have been scattered to places they didn't want to be in. And so, and so there may be they're fleeing their cities um, and they didn't want to be there necessarily. It wasn't a new church planting strategy that they'd come up with in their church in Jerusalem. They were scattered because of the persecution. Um, and Philip ends up in this city in Samaria. And it's so kind of unimportant that he doesn't even tell us which city it was. He just says, a city in Samaria. Um, and I don't know if you've ever found yourself somewhere where you didn't want to be, in a dead-end job, or in a street that you really don't want to live on, or in a group of people, or wherever, in some nameless, forgotten place. Um, when I was younger, um, when I was in my kind of early 20s, I was in this job which basically involved uh, wrapping rolls of cloth in brown paper and then putting it on a rack. And then I would get another roll of cloth and wrap it in round paper and put it on a rack. And the best, the most exciting bit was that I had to like stick a sticker on the end um, and put which colour it was. And that was the challenging part. Sometimes I'd forget and I'd have to like sneak a a peek at it. And, um, and that was my job. And, and, and I, I remember God has spoken to me about all these things about my life that, you know, he wanted me to plant a church, he wanted me to, um, to do all this stuff for him. And I was in this job and I was thinking, why, the, why am I here? How have I ended up here? This is the most boring thing I can ever imagine. And to um, and make it even more annoying, my boss was a Christian. And so he came in once and I was, remember I was putting this sellotape, I was three, three bits of sellotape uh, uh, along there, one on each end um, with my, kind of sellotape dispenser thing. And, um, and I was like, I'm just going to put five on just because I can. And uh, <laughs> I just so... And he came up to me and he put his arm around me. And he was like, Chris, you know, you know, even Jesus had to wait till he was 30, till he started his ministry. <laughs> and I was just like, I hate you. And I couldn't say it because obviously he's like my boss. Um, but, but, um, and I remember thinking and I thought, oh, man, I actually is right and and he's right and actually god has got me in this job for a reason so what is it i need to find out what it is for starters i'm going to become the best brown cloth wrapper in the whole world, I'm going to be amazing at it, and and I'm going to work incredibly hard. But also, there's a bunch of people who I'm working with that don't know Jesus, and that's part of my ministry that God's called me to right at this moment. So I'm going to talk to them about Jesus, and I'm going to share my faith with them, and I'm going to start to uh, to pray for them every day. And God started to give me prophetic words for people in that in that context. God started to give me all these opportunities to talk to the to the different people in the staff. And, um, and I remember when I, when I got married, I invited the, some of the staff to come and a couple of ladies came along from the office and they just cried the whole way through the service and I talked to them after and I was like, what were you crying about? It, was, it wasn't that bad. And, um, and she was just like, as soon as you started, everyone started singing. Um, we just felt this like weird feeling like, and we did, couldn't explain it and we just feel all emotional and stuff. And, and it was just another chance for me to say, that's God, that's the Holy Spirit showing you that he loves you. And, and I was able to pray for them and, and to kind of walk with them in some really hard times that they were going through. And, and wherever God has put you right now, you're to be a blessing there. You might not want to be there, but you've got something to do there. You've got a purpose while you're there. And he might move you on at some point. But where you are right now is a place where God can bless you. And the coolest thing at the end of this bit was, is where it says, there was great joy in the city. There was great joy in the city because of those people who had been scattered there. Do you bring great joy with you wherever you go? Does Poynton Baptist Church bring great joy to Poynton? And how do you do it? Do you bring great joy to your home? Do you bring it to your workplace? Do you bring it to your street? You know, someone once said, some people bring joy wherever they go. Others bring joy when they go. (laughs) You've met a few people like that, haven't you? (laughs) But which one are we? If we're the Christians, we should be the ones who bring joy wherever we go. Because we're full of Jesus, we're full of the Spirit, we should be the ones who change the atmosphere, which is what we're singing, not just because we sing it in the Wren Collective song, but because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we should change the atmosphere in the name of Jesus wherever we go, and we should be introducing people to Jesus, and we should be uh, doing all of that stuff. And And so, Philip found himself in this place that he didn't ever plan to be, but he, and he was fleeing for his life. But even there, he had the courage to preach the gospel, to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. He probably ran for his life with nothing. You know, if you're fleeing from someone who's trying to kill you, you don't kind of take a lot of stuff with you. Um, he had to trust God. And also, that's how Jesus sends out his disciples. If you read Luke 10, he says, When you go... Don't take anything with you. Don't take your money. Don't take, Just go and rely on me and trust in me. A lot of the times in the Christian church, we're often the ones with power and money and resources. and what. Well, but actually, Jesus says, go in humility, go in vulnerability, go and trust in me. Put yourselves in positions where your resources can't dig you out of the mess sometimes because that's where it happens. Honestly, the times in my life when I've put myself in places and gone, If God doesn't turn up here, I've no idea what's it's going to all go completely terrible. And they're the moments where God steps in and shows us how amazing He is. Um, How will we bring joy in the places where we go? How will we trust God in those places? It's like when God says to Moses, and you know, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses is like. I can't do that. I'm, not, I've, I know, I'm no good at speaking. I'm, I'm nervous. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't do that stuff. And, and God just says, "What's that in your hand?" And He just goes, "Just got this staff, this wooden staff." That, and, and He says, God says, "Throw it on the floor." He throws it on the floor. And it turns into a snake. Pick it up. Picks it up. Turns into a staff. And then. And then he goes around and, and God says hit the sea and the sea parts and, uh, and he does this with it and this, and this happens and the plagues happen and, and then the people go into freedom out of slavery in Egypt and, and it's just this little bit of wood <laughs> in his hand and that's the question God asks us in the places where we find ourselves. What's that in your hand? What's in your hand? What have you got? What have you got? It's like the little boy in the feeding of the 5,000. What have you got? I've got a bit of bread and a couple of fish and it's not much. Well, give it to Jesus and see what happens with it. What is it in your hand? A little bit of faith, a little bit of a gift in some area, a bit of courage. What is it? What's in your hand at the moment? Give it to Jesus. And um, because it's Mother's Day, I want to tell a story about my mum. Um, she was. She had this little prayer group that... Um, and they were little to be fair. I used to call it the Little Women Prayer Group. Because uh, <laughs> my mum was the tallest and she's five foot one. And <laughs> and they used these little women used to go around praying um, and they would pray they decided to pray for our my high school that I was in at the time. And my mum was they had, had this real heart for our school, but she was just like, I've not got any giftings to like go into the school and like, you know, be a cool evangelist or whatever. But what I do have in my hand is I can pray. So she just went and started praying. Every day she would go past and, and pray. Um, and there was this time when she was walking past and she felt like God said, uh, don't just pray that I bless the school. Pray that I would blast the evil out of this school. And, um, and my mum was like, oh. <laughs> um, so she prays this. And then I was in school at this, on this day. And um, there was a classroom that was, um, that was right next to a tree that was just outside. And this, this tree got struck by lightning that day. <laughs> um, and it, and you know, everyone, I remember the day even now, because everyone goes berserk, don't they, when there's lightning and things like that in the school. Everyone just went crazy. And it turned out, we found out later, that there was a supply teacher in that classroom next to the tree that day. And they'd been um, teaching the kids about the occult and how do you do a seance and how do you use a Ouija board and stuff like that. And at that moment... The lightning had struck that tree, and the class had gone berserk. And, um, and that teacher was asked to leave at the end of the week. And I was thinking about that story, and I thought, the first thing he teaches us is that you don't mess with my mum. <laughs> She's only little, but flipping it. Don't, don't, don't disobey. And, um, but it's just, it's how someone just goes, I'm just going to give what's in my hand, I'm just going to say, I'm going to pray every day for this school. That's what I can give. That's what's in my hand. And it happens. And there was another time where they came to the head teacher and just said, what can we pray for? You know, we're this group of small women and we pray for the church and, and all of this stuff. How can we pray for you? And, um, and he said, well, in every summer in Salford, people come and the kids come back to the school with uh, little BB guns and shoot all the windows. So you could just pray that, that, you know, about that. In September they came back, and and he said, the head teacher said to my mum, there has been no windows smashed in the whole of the summer, no windows whatsoever, and um, and there was just little things like that that, sh- that they did time and time again over a few months and a few years that made that changed the atmosphere of the school uh, because they're just giving the little thing that they've got, and that's what all of us can do wherever you are, just give the thing that you've got, offer it to Jesus, and that's when the miracles start to happen um and the, the the final thing i want to say um is that is from this bit that philip does so philip gives what he can philip prays for people um philip proclaims jesus he preaches the gospel and he gives what he can do um when we get out there and do that stuff that's the moment when we really grow in our faith as christians when i was when i was coming up here driving up here today this this is what dropped into my head as i was praying for you all that sometimes we can come to church on a sunday and and we want to get fed you know we want we want the sermons to be dead good <laughs> sorry um and and we want it to we want the band to play the songs that we like and we want it we want it to kind of top us up a little bit and and feed us and i've been in three different churches in my life and every you know the first one had fantastic bible teaching the second one had amazing preachers um the third one was the one i'm in now which is interesting and uh, <laughs> and um but everyone, you get people who say, I'm not getting fed. I need, I need more meat. Um, and you know what uh, John Wimber used to say? The meat is on the street. Because um, if you're just coming here on a Sunday and you expect this to feed you for the rest of the week, you can't just eat once a week. Um, you need, and, and to be honest, getting fed, you only get fed when you're a baby. And then you grow up and you learn how to feed yourself. And, and so this is not the place that you can get fed for the rest of the week. Hopefully you will receive something, but you come here to give as well. And if you all come in here to bless and to give and to encourage, then you all encourage each other, don't you? Don't just think, um, you know, what you need is for the preacher to give you some information about the first century that you didn't know before, and that's you getting fed. The meat is on the street, that's where we need to be out there doing that stuff, encountering people, stepping out of our comfort zones uh, and that's when we really see the growth. It takes great courage to start to bloom where we're planted. I want to I encourage you to step out with great boldness. If you want to bloom where you're planted, that's the part of the long title of today, um, we need to take step out and take great courage. Can I tell one more story? I've got time. Um, when, when we first moved into Langworthy in 1999, it was it's this kind of maze of red brick terraced houses. Um, and it had gone really downhill in the early 90s to the point that a third of the houses were boarded up. Uh, people just couldn't cope with living there anymore. So it was a, it was a really ugly place at the time. Um, when I was a teenager, I would never walk through Langwithay because I was too scared. I lived, I've lived; i always lived within a mile of the place. Um, and when we when we started to look for houses, you could buy a house for £2,000, you know, three-bedroom, three-storey, terraced houses. Um, I remember when we went to the estate agents, uh, the estate agent says, to us, I've no idea why you want to live in this estate. It's horrible. I don't think you should. <laughs> she was a rubbish estate agent. And, and, and literally, she, literally she said to us, I'm not going to come round with you. Here's some keys you can let yourself in. <laughs> That's what it was like. And um, after a couple of years, um, you know, so everywhere he looked, there was like burnt out cars, you know, windows being smashed, all of that stuff. And there was a lady in the community who decided that she wanted to enter Langwithere into the Britain in Bloom competition, <laughs> which is, like, for the most beautiful estate, you know, beautiful places and villages. And, um, and I just thought, this the most ridiculous idea ever. And um, But she managed to get some money uh, to, to buy 3,000 hanging baskets, so one for every house in the estate. And these massive planters that she put on the, main ro- the two main roads in the estate... And, um, and then one week, they got, they got everyone on board, the schools, we, we even joined in, and, um, and all the shops and the different kind of residential groups, and they all went out over a week and, and just filled all these things with flowers. <laughs> and I remember walking around taking pictures the night before the judges came, because I thought, tonight... This is all going to get trashed. Like I know at least 25 kids <laughs> who are just going to walk up and down the streets and just do this with the baskets. Just tip them up and kick them over. And um, and but it was amazing looking around that day because um, it was beautiful and there was beauty there. And um, But there were still boarded up houses and there was still some glass on the floor and this and that. But beauty came into the ugliness and transformed it, this vibrant colour. And the judges came the next day, and nobody had trashed any of it. It was all still there. And, um, and Langworthy won the regional um, urban area competition for 10 years in a row from that year onwards. And this little lady, who had a, a ridiculous idea, because whenever you try and do anything in line with it, it just got trashed. When we first opened our Life Centre building, people said, it'll last about six months, and they'll burn it down. That was the kind of thing that people would say. And this woman stepped out in faith. I don't even know if she was a Christian or not, but we, we did quite a lot of stuff with her over the years, and, and she just thought, I'm going to put these little, vulnerable, beautiful flowers all over the estate, and I'm going to have some kind of belief that they're going to stay there and that people are going to respect them and people are going to appreciate them and that that project for us became a parable about hope and about boldness and about courage because if that one woman can step out and say i'm going to i'm going to believe that this is that change is possible i'm going to believe that beauty can come in the darkest places then maybe we can believe that as well and maybe everyone can be, and maybe those people who are stuck in their house and a bit scared to come out who've got a vision to do to do this little group but they just think well it won't work because nothing works here no one will come to it and they look at that those flowers and they start to believe that something's possible because they've got this little thing in their hand and she took that little thing in her hand and she helped to transform an entire estate and that's what was a parable for us that actually the flowers of God's kingdom grow in the darkest places and 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 God's kingdom often feels when it's coming really quite vulnerable and quite like you could just do this (laughs) to be honest that's how the last 20 years of my life has felt uh, doing this stuff in in Langwithy it's felt like (laughs) when I go to church later after I've seen you is anyone going to come (laughs) <laughs> you know is it all going to fall apart and and that's how it feels it feels so vulnerable and so beautiful at the same time and that's where God meets us he meets us when we step out he meets us when we're planted in somewhere so that we say actually we're not just going to last six months and you're going to burn this building down or the other thing they said to us when we moved in was it, you'll be here for three years like all the other projects all the council projects last for three years the money runs out so there's no point getting to know you we're here 20 years later and for as far as I'm aware I'll be here in 20 years from now because Jesus calls us to, to be planted and to bloom where we're planted and to, um, and to step out in his name. And I want to encourage you to do that today. So let's pray. In your mind today, you might be thinking, what have I got? What have I got in my hand? For a start, you've got Jesus in your life. And if you haven't, you can ask him to come into your life right now. You can offer prayer. You can offer the gifts that other people have identified in you that you're, you're not sure if you believe you've got them. At the other end of the spectrum, some of you are involved in all sorts of ministries and you're doing loads of things already, but maybe God's calling you to step out again in vulnerability. Maybe God's calling you another step out of your comfort zone because even when it looks like everyone looks at you and they think, oh, you're doing all this radical stuff, you know that you can get into a comfort zone even within that and God always just invites us to the next step the next step of faith the next step of trust that we might see more of those flowers blooming in the dark places and before we sing I just want to ask God that you would fill us with your spirit again Lord, would you fill us with great boldness and great faith. Lord, would you help us to trust in the God who parted the sea, in the God who rose from the dead, in the God who comes to live in us, who brings that transformation. In our weakness, we rely on you we do it in your name and maybe today you're just feeling stirred by that that you've got something in your hand or wherever you are on that scale of confidence in your own things but you know that God's calling you again into another step I wonder if you just want to stand just stand now and just say, just to say to God yes that's me I'm just going to wait if anyone wants to do that you just know there's another step for you just where you are just where you are come Holy Spirit come and meet with your people here come and meet with your people come Lord if there's anyone else and you just know you just know that either it's that I'm just going to offer what I've got right now or if it's I know there's another step that I've got to go there's another there's another step of faith I need to make today that God would do miracles with it. God would do miracles with it. There's a number of others, and you're just just starting to stand. You you know that he's stirring you. Just fill them with your spirit as they stand, Lord. And the the other group I'd love to challenge to stand today is those that you know you're called to those darker places, the, most, the more difficult places. The more difficult groups of people. And if that's you and you know God's stirring that in you, why don't you stand where you are as well? Just now, yeah. Anyone else? And you just know that he's, either you're already doing that or he's stirring you to do that for the first time today and you just want to say yeah God I'll go wherever you you send me I'll go wherever it takes I'll go to the streets for you that's where I'll find Jesus on the streets it's where he calls us to time and time again so would you fill these people with your spirit today you fill them with your spirit would you give them great courage and in a minute as, as we um, as we sing just now um, I wonder if, if, you're, if you're sitting near someone who is um, standing would you just maybe if you feel comfortable just put a hand on their shoulder and pray God's blessing for them is that okay um, just pray that God would bless them just look around you if there's someone near you just bless them. Maybe God will give you something to say or pray for them. Let's worship together as we do that. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.